Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. It's Wednesday, October 26th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportology. Kevin Allen, USA Today Sports. Anna Mecklin, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com, the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday in the, in the afternoons to sort of fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And today we have like kind of an interesting thing happening in the world of the people who cover the hockey world. Kevin, tell us what's going on. Well, I mean, it happened yesterday, and I'm sure everybody who's part of the Twitter world has already seen the discussion on it, but Gannett, uh, which owns my paper, um, had major... Uh, cutbacks, uh, and uh, it was supposed to be 2% of the workforce. There have been news stories that suggest it's going to go higher, but, you know, in my paper, uh, uh, we laid off some people, you know, good quality people who were laid off in strictly a financial mood, but it it sort of impacted the hockey world as well because Kevin Oklubja, who had covered the AHL for years and years and years and also covered the Sabres on a pretty regular basis, not every game, but um, was well known to all the NHL writers and to a lot of fans and was a very gifted writer. I worked with him um, at the Olympics. Uh, I don't know, we probably did four or five Olympics. That seems about right anyway. And we always had a running joke uh, because um, one time he had to cover the bronze medal game for us at USA Today. And he goes, why aren't you doing the bronze medal game? And I said, I don't do bronze medal. And so every time Kevin saw me, of course, he'd say, you don't do bronze medal. And I said, no, I don't do bronze medal. Uh, but anyway, he was a very, very talented guy, an old school guy who uh, still took notes without using a, a uh, recording device, which to me is amazing. And his, his he was incredibly accurate with his note-taking as well. And, uh, um, you know, I, I hope he lands elsewhere. But in, in this day and age, uh, you know, he's... Uh, like myself, and it's hard to, to land again. Uh, so, um, but I wish you know, Kevin the best because he's very, very good and a quality hockey guy. And then uh, Rick Carbonello, who uh, was covering uh, the back, covering the Rangers again. I think he's done it off and on for about three decades. Yeah, it's been off and on lately. Yeah, yeah. well, he was supposed to be back uh, yeah. doing it because Andrew Gross, who's also part of our chain, um, uh, was going to the Devils, and Car- Carpy was going to move in there, and he was on uh, our podcast at USA Day a couple of weeks ago. I was pretty excited about it, but he was one of the guys that were laid off, and you know, again, this was all just to financial um, issues, as the you know Gannett uh, and the downsizing of the industry. And the third guy, who a lot of hockey uh, fans know, because he was the primary Nashville Predators writing writer from the beginning, and John Glennon. Um, who um, is still sort of the backup? I think, as I recall, the last time I checked, he was he was sort of the number two Predators writer and the number two Titans writer in Nashville. But uh, you know, to me, I think of him as a hockey guy because he covered the Predators for so many years. And again, a real quality reporter and writer worked hard at his craft. And um, I hate to see uh, um, uh, you know good people lost to the uh, industry. Um, no, not not. Not to put you in a tough spot, but the one question that's been going around, which is always one that's gone around in my head, which I think is fair, is 
when you fire guys that have a following like this, you obviously replace them with reporters that don't have a following like this. Don't people who have the following draw in the subscribers that make the company money? Well, that, that's a fair argument. Uh, you know, I, and I, I'm guessing what the argument would be, well, first of all, you know, it's just financial. And, and the, the biggest problem is, is that the, um, and uh, the, the, with experience, um, it comes a uh, higher salary. And the problem is, is that that makes you vulnerable. The more money you make in today's world, and it's not just in journalism, in all worlds, sure. they're looking to cut. You know, they're not cutting the $35,000 a year people. Um, journalism, journalism has gone the way of teaching nowadays because a teacher who's taught for 30 to 35 years, like my father did in Buffalo, who was, who was making fifty-five dollars or $60,000 a few years ago, you know, they he he was he retired because they could hire somebody at thirty one thousand dollars, and they thought they could get that person to teach more classes and teach him and give him less benefits and things of that nature. But you know, I can even make the argument, Mike, that that makes more sense than the hockey writer who has a following, because the guy that they're bringing in is not going to have a following like that. Even if it's a good Twitter following, it's not going to be like that. Well, the reason I make the analogy to teaching, Russ, is because the teacher who's been teaching for 30 or 35 years, and there are some people who are burnouts out there, but there are also people who have a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And the teachers that you learn the most from were the ones who had the experience. And I think yeah. writers like Kevin, who I had some interaction with uh, covering the Marlies, you know, he's a great writer and, a, and a, a great source of knowledge. So losing somebody like that is, I think, a, a real shame. Yeah, and to answer Russ's question, um, you know, we've all sort of developed our own brand through social media as much as a lot of us complain about, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's become a ball and chain. I mean, you have a brand, Mike has a brand, Eck has a brand that, you know, that goes with us. Um, the problem is, I think the argument the other way is, you know, was your brand created on the strength, in my case, of USA Today, which is a pretty big entity. So it's sort of all intertwined, and I'm sure their argument would be, okay, you know, we'll uh, we'll develop a new guy who will help along with our brand. I mean, you know, our, our social media uh, Twitter that just goes out of USA Today has, you know, is a giant, and uh, yeah. you know, so you know, you, you benefit from that. But it's a very complicated issue yeah. because I think you do, as in any in any industry, if you experience people, make fewer mistakes and. They know more, as you just said. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Clubgeon knows everything about the AHL, and he knows the Sabres' history, and he's a uh, he's got a great memory, and you know, he's got a a, a phone list uh, in his cell phone of a lot of people he can call, and those you know are lost to the Rochester yeah. paper. So because not uh, not not everything's on Wikipedia, right? Kev, right? That's the big thing. Well, yeah, and it's about relationships. I mean. You know, and I, again, I think this is true in so many different in industries. Like your ability, if you're a salesman, uh, comes from all the relationships you've had through the years through your customers. And in my case, you know, my strength is my relationships with all the people within the hockey world. You know, most of the time when I call these people, they know who I am because I've been dealing with them forever. And right. the same is true. And that's that's why it's just it's sad. And I, you know, I I get it that you know when you're running a major company and you got to you know, it's not a coincidence that it comes in the fourth quarter as they're setting up for the new year, because historically that's when 
cutbacks come because you're trying to make your balance sheet look good for the start of 2017. So you cut them in the fourth quarter to make that first quarter look good in 2017. So I understand how it works, but that doesn't make it any easier. And it's very sad because it's just a number on the balance sheet, but these are real lives. And uh, as is happening in all the other industries as well, it's happening to people who are in their 50s whose ability to land jobs um, is stunted uh, because of yeah. their age. That's really, that's that's the real hard part of it, you know, and and it is, I mean, what Russ... Send Russ another invite. I did. I just did. Um, what Russ is um, was saying is, is interesting. I mean, if you follow other industries in journalism, uh, like I like I do, and especially in this tech world, you can look at a guy like uh, David Pogue. Who um, David Pogue is a is a tech reporter, and he has been for the New York Times for years. And you may have seen David Pogue on you know Nova, and he does some he does does some really good TV stuff. He works with Good Morning America. Uh, he's a huge a huge guy, and he's got a huge following. And it came to the point where the New York Times was hardballing him on something, and he went and just did his own thing. And now he's first to say he's making 10 times as much money as he did. So we're in a world where that exists. It's hard to pull off, though. Um, and because the, a lot of guys, you know, aren't necessarily, I mean, Pogue had the advantage because he's tech savvy to start with, you know, so he knows how he can do it. A lot of these writers, they, they haven't spent their lives trying to create, you know, create their own brand. Um, but yet Twitter has helped people create their own brand. And I, there, there's definitely the case is that, you know, more people read like my articles coming from my Twitter link. So it really doesn't matter if I'm on hockey buzz or where I am because most people are reading my articles from there. So that is, um, the only issue is anybody who watched, uh, 60 minutes this week, they did a really a fascinating story on, and I know a little bit about this from talking to you. Like, otherwise I would know nothing about it, but the influencers, um, they're yeah. called. And, um, I, I sort of it, it sort of the light bulb went on for me. Now I sort of get it because, uh, as you know, um, it's difficult to translate um, hits uh, into monetary uh, to monetize it, and um, and the amount of hits. And we, we went through this with uh, trying to build our podcast at USA Today. It used to be that you could make some money if you just had uh, you know any hits, and you know you sort of build it slowly. But now. And it was pretty clear on the the uh, 60 Minutes report. You got you got to have millions uh, now. Some people are capable of doing that, and y- your guy that you just mentioned is capable of doing that. And these guys that have these comedy shows, they had a guy on there who does six second comedy videos, who gets yeah. uh, thousands upon thousands of oh, dollars. Yeah, no, there's YouTube but, people who are brilliant with it. Yeah, and and you know he's only on six seconds, and the guy from 60 Minutes says. How do you be funny in in six seconds? But but he can, you know. And and the guy who does the, uh, you know, he gets a uh, hundred thousand dollars for product placement. He just did ads for Dunkin' Donuts, and yeah. you know these guys are multimillionaires who are represented by major agents. Uh, so some have figured out how to do it, but it's it's hard uh, to uh, to make it work. That uh, you know there are people who have hundreds of thousands of. Uh, of hits who haven't figured out how to monetize it. Yeah, so. and then big companies yeah. often have a tough time translating the, the their old their old paradigms of how much staff they have and all that together. And because you can make money, but you can't make as much money as you might want to make, and you can't carry the same kind of staff. And that's why you see these cutbacks, and this happens. Right. It's it's bad, you know, and it's bad. It's bad because the wrong people are being cut back, and then quite often I think they just they aren't looking at really where I mean the content content is still king on the internet and at the end of the day the best content is the still the most important thing 
Yeah. yeah. If you have a website, you need content. You, and you need, to be, and you need good content. You need to be consistently consistent with it. Yeah. And you need people to want to read your opinion or else you're not going to make it. And I mean, that, and that's, that's why yeah. there's hope for those, you know, those right, you know, writers who work for newspapers who have lost yeah. their jobs, if they can make the transition because they have the context, because they have the experience, because they have the knowledge and because they can write, they can, they can transition Hopefully, to a career online, uh, you know, I don't know whether they can make as much money as they did, but there there is the possibility there because content is king. Yeah, the issue is too is how mainstream your area of interest is. Right, and you know that's become an issue as well. Like if you're, you know, if you're a uh, baseball writer, you you and you have a brand that's better than being a hockey writer because baseball is just broader. And and you know the the drive now to bring people into your, um, you know your domain is uh you know uh, the guy because that I I disagree with that completely. Um, in in terms, and I think this could be just the different kind of experiences we've had, you know. Um, but with me, I've found the more specific you get about something, the better chance you have at making a living. Like the the like for me, example, if I was just at a hockey website, I don't know that I'd be able to support myself on it. You know, I might people might like my hockey opinions like that, but the fact that I have a hockey rumor website is why I'm I've been successful. You know, like the fact mm-hmm. that people want the hockey rumors. From it, and they see me as a hockey rumor person. Mm. Otherwise, I, you know, and now I can yeah, make my. You were also the first. They're the first, know. right? That's true. Well, I, there were others, but there, but yeah, I mean, there were you know guys like Spectre out there and other people too. But I think that I was the first to do it, maybe at this scale. But that was a lot of that comes down to you have but to. There, you but know. there's a difference. Like Spectre is an ab- is an aggregator site. It's somebody who links to other. Right, he's throwing people. his opinions out there. Right, I agree with that. That's true. So I'm, you know, so and that's. But I I have found that you know, and I tell people when they get when they want to get into the internet, what I tell them to do is find something very specific and become the best at it that you can possibly be. Yeah. And, well, I saw a story where a guy made uh, he had interest in potato chips. I've told you this story where. <laughs> yeah. The guy loved potato chips, and he just started a website, and he wanted to, every time he'd travel, he'd get all the different brands, and then he'd take a photo, and he'd put it on his right. website, and so forth. And one thing led to another, and I believe, I, I may have the purchaser wrong, but as I remember the story, it was the potato chip lobby group that bought his website, because he... <laughs> and, and it was a million-dollar deal. Yeah, right, and, and that, that, you know, if he was just a food reviewer... He would get yeah. lost in the in the in the world of food reviewers, you right. know. Or if yeah. you're a, if you're a football, and, and so I think hockey sometimes is easier because there are so many people doing baseball websites, and there are so many people doing football websites. Where hockey is a little bit less. I mean, it's still it's a lot, but it, you know, and there is a limited market to it by the same stretch. But you'd, I'd rather have like an eighty percent of a limited market than two percent of a big market, you know. And that's how I've always looked at yeah. it. Yeah, but I guess my only point I'm trying to make is is that it's not easy. To make enough money to support yourself, like no, most it, of the no, guys that I know, yeah, yeah. most of the guys I know who have done this, you know, are making some money, but not the level where they, uh, um, you know, were doing as well as when they worked for an entity. Uh, and that's yeah. because in the hockey world, it's hard to generate enough hits to, to uh, you know. You know, again, you're in a different situation because you have. Yeah, no, and I'm like, I realize how incredibly lucky I am that with that. You know, that to yeah, me is. But, just... but for a single person trying to create a website by himself in hockey, I think it's it's hard to uh, to generate. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and I, I you know, I've, I've for a long time been trying to come up with a way 
to take these writers and and a couple of them a lot of them I have talked to in the past and help and and just like a a way to help them to because they just want to write and that's what they all come to me and you know a lot of them who who do get laid off come I just want to write you know I just want to write I said well unfortunately you can't really just write anymore. You have to, you have to be able to, you have to find a marketing strategy. Like I have a guy who works with me, you guys all know who is in charge of selling advertising for this. And, and without him, I would be nothing. I mean, that's literally, I drive the traffic. He makes sure that traffic is, 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 is monetized. I, but I couldn't do that in the beginning. In the beginning I did both. So, you know, for a long time I did both. And that was, you know, that was, so yeah, I agree. I mean, it's very hard because if you just want to write, you do have to change, and you've been good about this, Kev, because you've actually—I mean, you're doing—I mean, Facebook <laughs> live videos. I mean, who would have thought you would be doing something like that ten no, years ago? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you've had had to change. We've all done it, but right. you know, you you got to. I've said this already. Now everybody on Facebook is doing Facebook Live, so you know, pretty soon that's not going to be as trendy as it is now because. Right. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, watching you were, again. You were first in that too. We were one of the first in that, so that's a good. And and yeah. not, and this is where USA Today is still USA Today. You know, I mean, that's good. Too. Yeah, no, we we've we've done a good job of modernizing and being you know trendy. You know, we've sort of recognized yeah. where people were dumping Facebook because it was perceived to be just for older people. Yeah. But we came back to it early, and that's really helped us because yeah, you know, there's there's still it dwarfs. Um, oh, yeah. uh, Twitter, but you know, Facebook, it, it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, yeah. now saying that you need your your Twitter because your hardcore base is there, and you've got to literally drag your horse to water and dunk his head <laughs> in, yeah. in the drink to get him to read your stories. Very true. Really? Um, anyway, let, let's we let's we probably stuff, guys. I know, I appreciate, it. and I know there's a lot of people who watch this yeah. show that are that are in this that are trying to get interested in this too. So I, that's why I wanted to give it a little yeah. bit of time. And there are a lot of people out there who are you know curious as to what's happening because we have a lot of hardcore hockey writer and people fans and stuff like that, and yep. a lot of them write. So that's why I thought it was worth putting some time into today. But now we can get on to the other the other stuff at hand, which would be the hockey games last evening and some of the things that was going, was going on around them. And first of all, I think every conversation today has to begin with the fact that Austin Matthews is the leading scorer in the NHL, and that is crazy. <laughs> I mean, and and now it's early, okay, it's early, but still. And he had a four goal game, but you know he did. It was him who got it. So people who are arguing, oh, he had a four goal game. I'm like, wait a second, he had the four goal game. Don't. Right. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing else to say. He had a four-goal game. Like, what are you going to say? Yeah, I know he has 10 points to get a four-goal game, but that's because he had a he, he had a four-goal game. It's just like it, the first player in NHL history to do that in his first NHL game, so let's not take anything away from him. It's not like he yeah. had a four-goal game and hasn't scored a point since. Let me, uh, let's me let's start this by let me just push the elephant right in the pit and let's uh, debate it. Uh, it. You know, could he possibly be as good as Connor McDavid? Yeah. Russ? Very close, yeah. I mean – there is, there's not a great difference. The great difference that we could see with the eye test is that McDavid has this little bit of an extra gear when yep. he smells a goal, he can get to it. But but Matthews also have this has this ability to just take the puck and just get to the net. And good luck trying to stop him with today's rules. And so I think they're very close to offsetting each other, and it may matter who they play with as much as what they can do to, to see their success. But the one thing I have to say, and I forget the guy's name, Mike can bring it up, 
But when I saw the other day that somebody was saying, well, Mitch Marner is going to have a better career than that Austin Matthews, <laughs> it drove me a little crazy. I didn't because, say that, but I heard that on the radio. Someone said, there's know, no question in my mind that Mitch Marner is going to be a better NHL player right. than Austin there, There's a big question in my mind, considering <laughs> not only is Austin Matthews a rookie and doing this and leading the league in scoring, not just rookies, but every level he's ever gone to, he's always been among the top scorers, no matter where he's played. So and this I think is you really no different. You nailed it on one big important thing, and that is he's got something that Stamkos, Tavares, you know, um, McDavid, Eichel, yeah. go through the line. I mean, go, that, that that they didn't have, and that is that he has found his line mate right away. I mean, Nylander, those guys all struggled, you know, with different who's – even Crosby yeah. is still – Still does Yeah, he's 29 years old and he has <laughs> But McDavid, as a 19-year-old, has put together what might be one of the dead – like the best thing since Gretzky Curry. And, and when you throw this all together, I mean, they're – it's you crazy. Have, you have to give Mike Babcock credit for that because at the at the rookie uh, scrimmages in, in, in July, he said, we're putting – William Nealander with Austin Matthews. He had already said that's we're going in training camp. That's the matchup that we're going to put the of the the, the duo that yeah. we're going to put together. Now you know the funny thing is McDavid himself said at the World Cup, Matthews and I think the game the same way. They're on the same page. That's why they played so well together at the yeah. World Cup. They're different players. I mean, I think I think McDavid is more ex- explosive speed wise. Um, his, his skill and, and not to take away anything from Matthews' speed, but I think. Uh, there's a higher gear there with McDavid, but the size and the quickness and the stick handling ability for Matthews is top notch. I mean, the goal that he scored last night, he he took the the Tampa Bay defenseman lost control of the puck for about a about a half a second. It, the puck, by that point, he had taken the puck, he had spun around, and he had fired it between Bishop's legs. He's yeah. unbelievable, not only as a 19 year old, but just period. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, my, yeah. my take on it is this. Connor McDavid, I've never seen a player, um, including, you know, I've, obviously I covered Lemieux and Gretzky. Nobody can play and make plays at the speed that Connor McDavid yeah. Yeah. It's It's really incredible. That's that's his gift. I mean, yeah. it, it, not only is he a great skater, but he can make plays at that speed. Uh, yeah. You know, he doesn't have to slow down. So, you know, that's where he's a little bit different than Matthews. Um, and Matthews is a little bit more of a power guy. They're, com- they're completely different kinds of players, but... I think in terms of impact, I think it's possible Matthews will be right there with him. Now, you know, that's saying a lot because Conor McDavid, uh, you know, is unbelievable. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I remember I remember Kevin, I can't help but think like we're sitting in the in World Cup of Hockey and that how many times did they put that commercial on the Adidas commercial with Conor McDavid? Yeah. And on the big screen, you know, where you see him stick handling at the same time that he's going up and he's stick handling his ball back and forth so fast. And then we're sitting there and I'm saying, they had to have sped this up, you know. <laughs> I mean I actually contacted somebody about it and they didn't. That's how fast Conor McDavid can do those things. And yeah. he you know, he's jumping rope while he's taking I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that just make no sense humanly possible. So that's what Connor McDavid does. Yeah. You're right. Now the, now, the question is the question is whether Austin Matthews will be the uh, the Andre Dawson of hockey and win you know, win a major award being on a last place team because Andre Dawson won MVP when he was with the Cubs and hit, I think, over 40 home runs, and they were a last place team. Right now, Toronto cannot stop anyone from scoring goals. They've in four of the six games they've allowed five goals or more, and it's not the fault of Frederick Anderson, even though he's not playing well. Not what the guy on Saturday night said. 
Yeah, the guy said right. right. I, mean, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. It's like I mean, last night Stamkos had two goals. Yeah. Kucherov, Durant, they they were wide open. There there was coverages that were completely blown. On one of the goals, Jake Gardner, for some un, unknown reason, drifts up to the blue line and covers no one and allows Alex Kalorn to score a goal. Right now, there is no concept of defense on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about that a little bit because I want to add something to this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting. I happened to uh, talk to Bill Peters yesterday, the Carolina coach. I was uh, went down for the morning skate, and uh, we were talking uh, about a lot of things, including Austin Matthews and everything. But what came up in a conversation he had with three or four reporters was uh, on how to build a team. And the one thing that, and I know Mike will agree on this, it's pretty clear that the Maple Leafs, have gone out and they've assembled a really, really impressive collection of young forwards, you know, with Nylander and Mitch Marner and, of course, led by Austin Matthews, and they have other guys. Mm-hmm. What they have not assembled is a single defenseman to play with that group. I mean, they had one in Morgan Riley. Now, what's interesting is the Carolina Hurricanes have done exactly the opposite. What are they assembling? A group of young defensemen. Yeah. But they have, no, they have no dominant forwards. They have no... no guys that can be the face of the franchise. Now, you know, you would think that would be reversed. Like in Toronto, where they know hockey and they understand what you're trying to do, you would have thought they could have built with a bunch of young defensemen and then added the forwards last because the great folks of Toronto understand that defense wins. But they didn't. They created excitement and a buzz with the forwards. And Carolina a team that needs to create buzz and excitement <laughs> right, right. probably should have started with a bunch of forwards <laughs> right. and then got the defense a little bit later. But, you know, Peters made a point that is indisputable. He said, you know, if you have the young defense, you can trade those guys to get the forwards. Right. And, and <clears throat> that is true. And I, think, that is, I don't think this is the Maple League's fault. I think that when the league sort of changed over like a year and a half ago, we saw this change sort of occurring in last year, big time. The Leafs were already like heavy into their rebuilding the offense plan. Right. And with those high picks, took those offensive players. They probably wish they would have swapped it and maybe gotten a defensive player or two. Now they're going to have to do that, but it's going to take a little longer now. And they still will be able to do it. They're going to be a high picking team. So they're going to be able to do it, but this has, sort of slowed them down a little bit. And, yeah, Bill Peters is right. Well, there was – The draft sometimes also dictates yeah, what you but, but saying that, you know, when they took Hannafin, there were only – went there, Russ, only two defensemen that year that everybody was talking about, him and Wierenski, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. For the most part, yeah. For the, and, and, there, and, there, and there was a school of thought, Kevin, uh, that at the number four pick in 2015, that Babcock was in favor of picking Hannafin and that at that point, because Lou Amarillo had not been hired, that Mark Hunter and Kyle Dubas and Shanahan were in favor of picking Mitch Marner. I think Mitch Marner is going to be a fine NHL player, but the, the, point, the point is well made. Right now they've got two pretty decent prospects down in the American Hockey League and Travis Dermott and Andrew Nielsen. They're like second and third round picks. It's going to take a couple years for those guys to get enough experience yes. to be called up to the NHL. And right now you've got guys that like Matt Hunwick, who's a veteran guy, but he's a seventh defenseman at best, and he's playing 20 minutes a night. Yeah. And Roman Polak, who they bring back uh, after going UFA. I mean, it's a, it's a hodgepodge on the blue line. And Mike Babcock is going to really have to deal with it because it's not going to get any better. And even if they go out and trade for somebody like a Lindholm or a Fowler, that's one guy in a group right. of six. 
But I will say this, and I, I know Mike will agree with me. I, I'm, I'm guessing Eck will too. It, I, I, if you're ranking now the teams you love to watch play, oh, yeah. Maple Leafs are in the top five now. Like yeah. it, it's no fun question. to watch them. It is just fun to watch that group. And you know they're going to compete every night because Babcock, you know, insists upon it to the point where you know you won't play if you, if you don't work hard. So right. they come out, they go hard, they play at 100 miles an hour. I I think Anderson is the right goalie, and uh, I mean I, Mike's assessment is right on. He hasn't been at his best, but he's a really good goalie, and you know, and I I loved what Babcock said. You know, when they said he said why didn't he pull him? He says because he's my goalie. You know, <laughs> right. No, and I'm with him, and you know, I want to sort of sort it out. And you know, if I pull him and don't play him, he can't sort it out. So I, no, that's why I'm playing him. I I, I agree with that. That's his. I don't goal. know that I see him as the right goalie, but I don't. I do. I don't know because I my thing is this: like I do see some goalies as better with teams that have better defenses, and some goalies as really good when they get tons of shots on. Like Luongo is a great would have been a great goalie for this team because he's really good when he gets pounded with shots. Um, not that, you know, not that they're going to get, but I would have gone somebody like that for, for a shorter period of time and then, and then developed your goalie of the future while this is happening instead of, instead of, cause if Anderson goes through a couple years like this, I mean, is he really going to bounce back and be the goalie that they want him to be? Um, well, their, their goalie of the future might be the kid that they drafted in the third round, Joseph Wall out of Boston college. Yeah, he's really good. He is. No, that's true. The thing, yeah. the thing is, Zach, is that, you know, they, they, they've worked this five years with Anderson. They were po- they were right. They were possibly targeting some uh, young young goaltenders in the second round of the draft. And the way things broke, they they didn't they didn't uh, pick that pick that player. Yeah. So in, in, instead, they went the route of trading for Anderson. Now, I, five years is a big commitment. But the thing is, I, I think that's the reason why Babcock is not very anxious to the. Like, undercut his yeah. goaltender. This is a guy they're going to have for five years. This is oh, not- yeah, no, they've got to go with him. Yeah, I mean, but it's five they- years. There's no guarantee it's five years as a starter. The same way when DPHO signed his contract, there was no guarantee he was <laughs> no. always going to be the starter. <laughs> now you're citing one of the biggest disasters in no, goaltender no, no, signing all time. Though. I mean, that's was, there was an argument I had online with Islander fans, and my argument was if he ever became the backup goalie, would you want to still pay that salary? And a lot of Islander fans' answer was he'll never be the backup. Yeah. But then he did turn into the backup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and that's the problem with in the salary cap era, we've continually had problems with long term contracts for goalies because yeah. it's the only position, and this is stating the obvious, but it seems to be forgotten by GMs. If he can't play, he can't play. In other words, right. You you can play two defensemen. They just don't play twenty four minutes. You know right. you, can, you can play them sixteen or eighteen. But the goalie they don't play at all. So now you're <laughs> right. with a guy with five or six million dollars on the bench, and you're getting nothing from him instead of you know like if you overpay a defenseman, okay, you don't play him twenty four minutes, but he's playing seventeen and a half or eighteen right. or nineteen. So I was talking still to somebody yesterday about him. about Anderson, a scout I really trust, and he was talking about. And I said, like, "What's what's going on?" Because he's seen all of his games. I've I've watched bits and pieces of Toronto games. I haven't seen all of Anderson's games. I said, what's going on with them? He's like, well, he's given up a lot of short side goals. And I said, you know, why, you know, short side goals are usually a sign of something else. And I said, you know, why the short side goals? And he says, well, he's because he's the defense stinks. He's like, what, when you give up short side goals, it's because you're cheating towards passes across right. the spot. You so you're going to you're you're leaning off your post. And he's right. like, and so he's in that spot right now where that's simply what's happening with Anderson. And you can, and that's true. When you sit back and you watch the goals, a lot of the times he is giving up short side goals because he is thinking, 
I've got to not just play because you know the way it works. The goalie plays a shot, defense takes the pass. That's how it works. Well, I, I heard the analysis of, of uh, one of the commentators that, you know, Anderson is being told to be a lot more aggressive than he was in Anaheim, play more on the edge of the crease rather than further back. I guess they want to take or, take away some of the backdoor play. That's weird because and isn't that a strange strategy, Mike? Right, I think, no, I don't think that's a good strategy. Oh, and I think eventually yeah. what will happen is they'll end up going back to what, what is better <laughs> for him because he was successful at that. But if that's what the if that's what the team wants, if they think that's better for the concept overall, then, then I, he's at least going to try it. But right now, I think it's more the fact he missed training camp and the defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a lot. This is really early to be making these statements. I mean, it really is. But I'll just say about the playing up or playing back thing. I remember Steve Mason in Philadelphia, the best I can, the best example is he came into Philly as a kind of an aggressive goalie, playing out a little bit more. The Flyers um, def- goalie, goalie coach moved him back to the net and said, we need, you're a big enough goalie, you should be back in the net because our defense isn't the greatest and it's easier to get from side to side if you're back in the net and that way you'll be able to stop some of these, you know, two-on-ones that get through. Um, passes and that's and Steve Mason now is is much further back in the net than he was and it really well, works. How far Lundqvist is in it back in the net? The yeah, Lundqvist is so far years. back in the net too. Yeah, yeah. Goal, goal the goaltending situation is so weird. To, yeah, you know, I remember uh, I think it was Don Waddell who said, you know, I I can never figure out goaltending. You know, he said you you look at it and uh, you know you can't really even you know you, until you whether they win or lose you can't really you know, know whether they're playing well or not or where their confidence is. And yeah. I thought about that last night when I was watching the Red Wings play because, you know, everybody in the world had written Jimmy Howard off. He looked like <laughs> – right. No, 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 not me. No, Mike did. He, I he, did. I still there was did. a total lack of confidence last year. And now, yeah. you know, he's – he's. Oh. oh, Kevin froze on us a little bit there. Let's hopefully he comes back. I hope he comes back. But uh, no, I think that you know. I used to argue with you guys about Howard. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you did, you did, and and I'm, I'm, you know, I was kind of more on Mike's side. I think about this Howard thing. You know, I think well, that I'm, um, still, I'm still confident in my belief that I think I don't think he's a good goaltender. I don't think he'll ever be a good goaltender, and he's, you know, but you know, even 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 uh, subpar goaltenders will have streaks where they play well. Here's so, what I think the Leafs need to do. I and this boy, this is going to sound a lot like John Tortorella, but. Until they're, they have better defensemen, they have good skating defensemen, but they don't have guys who play good enough defense or at least good enough puck possession. They need to block more shots. Yeah, and they don't have they don't have. Defense. Oh yeah, no, that's for sure. They, they don't, don't block have, shots at all. I mean, no, they they, they, I mean, have, they really are terrible at blocking shots. And they don't. Um, they don't well, this is the this is the problem. They don't have defensemen who will stand up forwards at the blue line. There's no fear. The only one who does is Roman Polak, and he's right. Terrible. Yeah, he's terrible. Let's just say. I mean, let's just. Last year in the Stanley Cup Finals, he was so terrible. Well, he's not a terrible defenseman. He wasn't. He wasn't good in the Stanley Cup Final, but he's not a terrible defenseman. I know that's hard to say, he, but I know. He's an older version of Radko Gudis. That's what he is. Right. Yeah, but, I'll, I'll totally buy that. But um, you know what? The Leafs actually could use a Radko Gudis. <laughs> yes, they could. Another You're right. guy who could just strictly block shots and is mobile. See, that's, that's what that's that like a guy like Grossman, like Nick Grossman. Yeah, like, they, it, that, those, they need a couple of those defensemen who are like, and they would also not just would they not only would they help the defense, they would they would give the they would give the, the forwards a little bit confidence. more courage, you know, like a little bit like, okay, you guys don't have to worry, we're gonna we're gonna back you up, and that'd be a good thing. I mean, I heard a really funny expression. I don't know who said it, so I'll take credit for it because I 
think it was just something we determined. We came in, we came in over the course of a whole discussion. I think it was with Kevin, so I wish he was on here. But I said, you know, like a goalie is like a wife. Like if you get a great goalie, you're really you just you just accept the fact you have an incredible wife. Um, but if you have a terrible wife, you know it every second of your life. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact, the fact is, you know, that that's and that's you know, like teams that have great goalies, like the Rangers, they just know they have a great wife, and that's it. Um, you know, this has been true all, you know, Carey Price. But yeah, as Montreal learned last year, when your wife's not around, you're in trouble. But look, um, I mean, on our XM show, on our TSN show, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. For every guy that I get right, like a flurry, like I thought Al Montoya was going to be a star, like yeah. he's still an NHL goalie, which is I'm he's half still right. Playing, right. But but again, it is really hard to identify goalies. No, really hard, really. Even really the top hard. guys in every organization around the league have a hard time doing it and they admit it. And I really think Russ, I've heard you guys talk about this on your XM show a lot. And I've, I've always wanted to call it and say, you know, you don't, you don't do call-ins, but I've always wanted to say this. Like I'm going to say this to you. I think the reason it's hard to identify goalies is because a goalie is so much a part of the system they're playing in. So yes. put a goalie in the wrong system when they're young. There's like Mike Dunham's another example. Like, you know, yeah. we, I think of Dunham, I think of, um, you know, you know, you know, uh, Montoya. I think of them sort of in similar ways. Like of these goalies who are completely who who are incredible and should be incredible, but they weren't in the right system for the longest time. Um, I think that's fair, but now it's really hard because now you draft a goalie and you're expecting to get them four to five years later. Right. What's the league going to be like that? And what's your system going to be then? I know you're yeah. right. That's that's a really hard thing to hard thing to put. The, and that's why some of the teams that have had this is really interesting. We're coming to a little bit of an interesting thing here. That could be why some of the teams who have had similar systems over long periods of time have had better goalies because yes. they are drafting into a you know teams that change their strategy and change their style a lot. Like the Red Wings are a good example. They've been the same for a very long time. They've always managed to have pretty good goalies. Yes. Um. You know. The you know that could be the Canadians. You know, are a similar team to that too. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions for carry prices of the world, but there aren't that many of them. I mean, for the most part, the great goalies. Are, are just there's like four or five but the good goalies whether they're good or whether they're terrible i think depends on the team they play for and, but here's, and here's a dilemma that and this is something i would take seriously if if the Montreal if, if the toronto maple leafs pick first right right they will have to decide whether they want to get a defenseman or trade down the pick and get a defenseman or just pick that defenseman and lil chagrin is as good as a defenseman as i've seen and yet Nolan Patrick is a hell of an offensive talent. Yeah. Would they actually get the defenseman because that is really what they need? That yeah. is going to be debatable. I, I don't think they do. Uh, I don't think they do. I think they take honestly, Nolan Patrick. Mike, go ahead. Sorry. Honestly, I think what they would do is they would take they would take Patrick and they would trade um, somebody like Van Riemsdyk or Kadri for a defenseman. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that, that would be But you've seen what happens on the trade market. You don't get that just for that anymore you can't do it sure sure we're still in the same discussion kevin and it's kind of interesting so um the thing that i was we were just saying about you know we're talking about will the would the leafs draft a defenseman with their first overall pick this time around if they were to get there um and because there is a good one russ says yeah timothy liljegren is as good a you know prospect defenseman as i've seen in a couple years and he he's worthy of going first especially if you need him yeah, and there's no clear-cut number one, is there? No, I mean, Nolan Patrick is the guy who gets all the talk, but I don't think it's clear-cut enough that if I do have a need and I rate these guys in a similar way, that I can go that way. 
But I'm going to argue something else yeah. that you don't need superstar defensemen. All right, that you don't, and I, I think, and I think we kind of saw. But you that. need, but you still need defensemen. You need defensemen, and you need good defensemen. But if you put together this kind of offense, and and in Toronto, people are going to want to come and play for you. You're going to be able to get guys that are three, four. You can have like if you have four guys that are top four defensemen. Maybe they're not one twos. Maybe they're three fours. Like look at look at the Penguins. Besides Latang, there's no superstar defenseman. I mean, if you have that together. But they don't even have a Latang. Morgan Riley's not. Morgan Latang. Riley's close enough to Latang for me. No, he's not. a Norris no, Trophy not. candidate. He's a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. Tampa Bay's got Victor Hedman. He's right. a Norris Trophy candidate. Right. But you don't. But you. But that. But even with. But here's the Tyler's thing. Got Duncan Keith. You, you don't. Right. Yeah, but you. You when you have that much offense, okay? Like they have there. You're. I. If you can get. If no. I mean, if Nolan Patrick was. A high level. I mean, I, you know better than I do. If he was way above everybody else, I, maybe I would say it differently. But Kev, what are your thoughts on this? Oh no, we lost the two rats. Oh, Just well. so you know, Liljegren's a point a game over in the Swedish elite league, Swedish hockey league, and that's pretty impressive. Here's the bottom line. Bottom line is, when you're drafting a defenseman, you don't know if he's going to be a one, a two, or a three. You right. really don't know. Right, Victor. For for three for three years, people thought Victor Hedman was a bad pick because right. you didn't know. Now all of a sudden, it looks like a genius move by the Tampa Bay Lightning taking him second overall. I never thought Victor Hedman was a bad pick. Yes, well, no, I never thought it was a bad pick. But to identify where he was going to end up, right. Mike's right about that. Now, Aaron Ekblad was a one, but how often do you look at a defenseman and say? He's a one, no matter what. It's really, it's pretty rare. No, it's really rare. But and and you know you can do it. But like I said, I don't even think the Maple Leafs. I mean, this team is going to be good before anybody they draft can develop. So I really think they have to go out and they no, draft but, a guy like that. I guess here's my point: if you drafted a Liljegren, who I think can be a one, and if you have to wait two years for him, at that point, Morgan Riley may not be a one anymore. We don't right. know where the league's going. No, well, that's all true. Look at look look at the look at the 2012 draft. Three picks in a row. Three defensemen. The first one pick was Griffin Reinhardt, who's still in the American Hockey League at 22 years old. The yep. next two were Morgan Riley and Hampus Lindholm. Yep. They're both basically all stars. It's yeah. an exact science. That's the problem. And the thing is, even if you draft a, a defenseman first pick overall, you don't won't know for four, three, four, five years right, right. whether they're yeah. number one or number two. I'm now I agree. I, I agree with your point, Eck. That you know maybe things get escalated and and uh, and hastened a bit with Toronto because they know they got this offense and they're clearing a lot of cap space. But it's also you know how many defensemen are going to make it to the open market next year? Maybe Brent Burns, maybe Shattenkirk, one or yeah, two but, others. No, and but there's. They, I mean, right now we have Shattenkirk, Fowler. There's players out there that Truba. You can go and get. So if you if no, you have the cap is, space, but you have to get and give assets. If you're talking about just getting free and clear defensemen, they're all going to be 28, 29 years old. Right. But that's what you want, I think. No, that isn't what you want anymore. I, I don't know. No, that's not because I think the Maple Leafs are showing that they if they if they added say they added Cam Fowler and Brent Burns over the summer. I mean, immediately. Take that offense, Cam well, they can't Fowler, Cam Fowler over the summer unless they trade assets. Right, uh-huh. they'll trade, but you can trade futures. I'm just saying future uh-huh. assets. So yes, but because they have, they don't need more young, great, crazy forwards. I mean, they have a real. They could, they could trade a 
Yeah, but the but the problem is, is you have to take from Peter to pay Paul. If if right. you know, if you're looking, of course you do. That's all, that, that's always the issue with trades. No, but here's the thing. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. If you're looking to get Jacob Truba, you might have to give up William Nylander, which they don't right. want to do. No, here's no, the thing. So if you take Liljegren, he's six foot, 198 pounds. He's already playing against men. He's already offensively gifted. Yeah. Last year, he was the best player on the under-18 team, and he was 17. And that's see, there's a guy like Ekblad so, who can come in quickly and make And it. that's a guy who's going to come in quicker than most. I can't get a guy like that on the open market. No, you're 100% right. I mean, about that. I get a guy like that on the open market. He had those seven or eight years already, and now I'm going to be buying two years of prime play, two years of okay play, and then two years, I don't know what the play is going to be anymore. Right, and if he's the guy, if he's available and he's that good, then yeah, I'm with you 100. percent But yeah. there's only there's only one guy like that every draft, um, right. if, as far as defensemen go. So he may not That's be available. What I'm saying if you're drafting first, they might be in the position where they need to do that. They that do might, have enough but, offense, and well, they but, might do that. I mean, I wouldn't put that beyond Lou Lamorello to do well, that. What what you what you're saying, Russ, is they'll make the right decision as opposed to the Columbus Blue Jackets making the wrong decision because, or or the Edmonton Oilers making the wrong decision because right. the Edmonton Oilers took Yakupov instead of Ryan Murray, who they should have taken. Yeah, but that at the time that was that was a no brainer. I mean, I, mean, I supported the Oilers in the decision. Everybody, I mean, gonna, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets flip flop on that. It's so hard to not take Murray and take Yakupov. I mean, the Blue Jackets at that time, if you remember how disappointed they were that they couldn't get Yakupov. Yes. It was like he was like. And here's he the other there. thing that we don't we have to remember in hindsight. In hindsight, we didn't know that Edmonton wasn't going to do a good job in not drafting defensemen, and, yeah. and we, we didn't know they were going to keep picking forwards either. Yeah, so, and, and in hindsight, we didn't know that the owner the owner was off uh, off his rocker and just and told the management staff to pick the forward, no right? What? So all those things we didn't know about. So it's hard to say that in hindsight, but. But yeah. you literally do have to draft this guy. And the one thing the Leafs have not been drafting is that guy to compliment Morgan Riley. They have not Agreed. drafted that player. I do agree. Travis Dermott may be close, but he's probably not that guy. He's probably a second pairing guy. I think Andrew Nielsen's that guy, but he's two years away. Right. And I, but I do think that there's going to be an, I mean, you're, all you need is one of those players, uh, Shattenkirk, Burns. Um, yeah, but Collins. like you said, but, but, the, but the problem with that is, is you will lose one or two of those grade A prospects, offensive prospects that you like. One of them well, Burns could be, could be enough. Right. If if you if if you sign one, all your all your spending is cap space. But the thing is, right. with with the way the market is right now, you're talking. I mean, look 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 what what Yandel got. Right. A, def- a defenseman who's defensively challenged. I mean, he's okay defensively, not great, but you know, offense is his game, and he got over six million dollars a year. So you're talking about a Shattenkirk or a Burns that they hit free agency with a number of teams out there that need defensemen over six million dollars a year for, oh, yeah. for defensemen, and then you know, and then if you trade for one, you're talking trading uh, significant assets. We've had an example this summer of a of a middle yeah. of the road number three or number four defenseman being acquired by the Edmonton Oilers for the first overall pick from a couple years ago. So that's the price that you yeah. Here, pop quiz: How many points does Keith Yandel have? One. One point. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's why you have to draft these guys. It's very risky to to get them yeah. on, in free agency. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, they're not – I mean, the way Florida looked at that, I talked to him when they were doing that. Um, the way they were looking at the Yandel thing was they, they didn't expect him to be as – because how good do you really think they are? Just like in basketball, there's only so many touches. 
Only right. so many shots to go around. So they're sitting there and they're saying, okay, we're not going to probably be able to get him, but you know what? Um, you know, if, I mean, we're not going to get like a, you know, they're not looking for a one, two, they're going to pay him like a one, two, but they were looking for, they were just looking to solidify everything. So they were just saying, okay, and teams do this and, and it's not always, it doesn't always work. It, it quite often doesn't work, but to be frankly, it's, you know, this is what they were thinking. So yeah, they've got, he's got one point, which is not what they want, obviously. Listen, but only Eckblad only has one point too. Yeah. I mean, it's early, so. But, it's, but you're not paying him the amount that you're paying Keith Yandel. No, that's well, true. Don't, 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 don't worry about a lot more eventually. Don't, don't, don't worry, Russ. They're playing. They're playing Toronto tomorrow, so those points. Will go up. <laughs> those those points will go up. I know. No, you'll be, and then that's that's the reality of it, right? So we didn't get to a lot of good things today. The Voracek kit. Um, yeah, I'll know. just say quickly. I mean, there's again, like I said the other day, not to be a broken record, and I yeah. tweeted the minute it happened. You can't have a hit like that. Have the refs huddle up and then say it's two minutes for charging, and then possibly have the player be suspended after fact. After the yeah, fact. I'm with you. you know, no, no review from the from the Department of Player Safety. And ironically, the thing I had the most problem with it, problem with it is Dmitry Kulikov. Does he understand that his team was up? Yeah, that was nothing the thing. at the point, and he all he did was light a fire under the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers could not have been playing worse at and in, in that game. I mean. Yeah. They were that was the first two periods of that game were about as bad as I've ever seen them play. They had nothing going on. They, they were, were like the Walking Dead. They were. They were, and it was bizarre in a way. They looked tired. They looked beat up. Um, they and they just lost it. And then, of course, but like we said before, who was due? Travis Konechny. We talked about on the show. Yeah. So he comes up yeah. with his first goal of the season and yeah. really lights the fire. And uh, yeah, and that hit was stupid. But so Voracek um, but- said something really funny because Voracek has a way of putting like a really bad situation in perspective. Like, I don't know how far his helmet needed to fly off before they felt like that was a nasty headshot. But anyhow, he went to the bench and he tried to break his stick and he couldn't break it on the first attempt. And he goes, maybe I need to go to the gym because I should have been able to break that on the first shot. <laughs> That's embarrassing. That's funny. That's good. Yeah, Vortex's awesome that way. Um, and the Flyers, you know, it turns out to be an incredible two points for them. I mean, just yeah. like really talk about stealing two points. Um, that they was stealing two points. That's about as stealing as two points as you'll ever you'll ever. And if they make the if they make the playoffs by one or two points, you know, again this year that'll be yeah. two points you'll remember for sure. Yeah. The um the Seattle situation is is really interesting. We'll get to that maybe more tomorrow because that's a long running. So look forward to there's there's news there, and I think this could this really was, is a little teaser. This could very much lead to an NHL team from the Eastern Conference moving to the West. Or is this just another another rich guy saying, "Yeah, I'll buy this with my own money," and then all of a sudden when things start to get close. It's not the case. Yeah, I've never like Mark uh, uh, Mark Cubanish, you know. Kind of, anyway, that's um yeah, sure. We've seen this before. Um, the the Pittsburgh Pirates will have a little bit something to say about that. So yeah. anyway, um yeah, it's, it's very possible that that is the case. So let's go to the NHL lottery simulator before we get out of here today. All right. Um, it's early, money. but like we said, now we already we're already talking about the draft, so we have we to. Are, get why not? We did. We just did. We spent a whole long time talking about who the Leafs would pick if they were first overall. Yeah. So here we go. The winner of today's. Lottery simulator is. Thank you, Mike. Oh, and there we have it. <laughs> that, as I we said we before, you can't see it. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, can you see it at all? There it is. Oh. No. No. Nope. Crap! It is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'll all just right. <laughs> all right. So Go that's ironic. Yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs won it. I don't know why. It's- so now we have, now they're going to have to make up that their decision on who to take in the first pick overall, just like we discussed today. This will be a big argument at there the league table. There it is. Now? I can guarantee you this will be a very good <laughs> argument at the Leafs' table as to who they're going to take. 
Oh, yeah. There it is. So, anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.